Hello there. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Joy Fountain podcast. It is my prayer that the message you're about to hear will in many ways than one feed your soul and strengthen your decision and resolve to follow Jesus. My name is Andaza Hezekiah, pastor at the Joy Fountain Church here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May your joy be full today in Jesus' mighty name. Now let's dive into the Word. All right, so let's review the message series. So we've done three of them. (laughs) We've done Divine Assignment 1, Divine Assignment 2, 3, and now we are on number 4. So let's review what we did with number 1. In number 1, we said that seven assignments, I said, when I say we said, I'm believing that you agree with me. <laughs> I'm believing that you are, we're going together. So, but we said that there are seven assignment killers. We first of all wanted to establish what kills an assignment. What can kill your divine assignment? I believe that every human being is here on purpose. God has a plan for you. God designed you to be here for a reason. Now, you may not have perfection around you. You may not have everything the way you want it to be. You may not have all the money in the bank. But God has his eyes on you and has a plan for your life. Okay? The scripture tells us that, you know, God's thoughts in the book of Jeremiah are for good to give us what? A perfect end, a future, and a hope. Okay. So there are seven assignment killers. If God has called you into something, God has called you into a relationship, God has called you into a marriage, God has given you children to raise, there are seven assignment killers. Fear, facts, feelings, failures, faults and flaws, following and foes. And we explained this uh, two weeks, two Sundays ago. Fear, facts, feelings, failures, faults and flaws, following and foes, seven of them. There may be more. I found one more, fatigue, but let's leave that out. (laughs) But then we also saw that there are seven assignment boosters. Before I go into assignment boosters, remember I said that we are in a season, you know, where most churches who follow the uh, uh, liturgical calendar are having what's called the Advent, right? And four Sundays before Christmas, you have all these, you know, we talk about the nativity, the birth of Christ. We read the scriptures that have to do with the birth of Christ and all of that. And I see Jesus as one who was on divine assignment from God to mankind. And then he said, he's sending us into the world to make disciples. He's sending us into the world. To be a light unto the world. In other words, our lives, our lifestyles, how we live should be a light unto the world. When people look at us, they should be able to see the salt of the earth. He says, we are the salt of the earth. So in our attempt to fulfill the counsel of God for our lives, in our attempt for our marriage to be what God desires of it, in our attempt to raise our children in the will of God, we will face a lot of challenges. Jesus Christ faced challenges. We will also face it. We will not escape challenges. We will not escape opposition. That's what we're talking about at the beginning of this uh, series. We will face opposition. But let's look at the seven assignment boosters. While there are those that can kill your assignment if you give in to them, there are also those things that can enhance and boost and help you have victory in your assignment. What are those seven assignment boosters? Let's go one after the other. Favor. Faith, force, fire, form, funding, and friends. Okay? Those are seven assignment boosters. 
I'll go again. Let's say it together. Actually, let's say it loud and clear so that this can resonate in this room today. We don't want to give room to assignment killers. We want to give room to assignment builders, assignment boosters in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's do it together. Favor, faith, force, fire, form, funding, friends. We need to have friends, good friends. The Bible says evil communication corrupts good manners. Bad company is not good for us. So we need people that will help us. I remember one time when I was almost giving up in the ministry. I was tired of just all these problems with church and people not being faithful, people talking behind your back, stabbing you. I was just tired and I woke up in the early in the morning, and I said, you know, I'm done. I'm going to give this up. Let me look for something to do. I picked up my laptop. I Googled, and I found a profession that I think, ah, if I study this, okay, in one year I'll have this. I saw all that was required. I said, yeah, I'm going to do this. By 6 o'clock, I was down in my living room, sitting there, having a time of devotion, and I had my phone to the right of me. It rang. I don't pick up my phone at that time, but for some reason, I said, well, let me see. Maybe it's an emergency. Maybe somebody. So I picked up the phone and I looked at it. It's a friend of mine from the U.S. And uh, I said, hello, how come you are calling me at this time? Why are you calling me at this time? He said, I was told to call you. Who told you to call me? He said, you know who? He says, you know who? Six o'clock. He says, I want you to close your eyes. I, he didn't ask me a question. He didn't say what are you thinking? What are you doing? What he said, close your eyes. I closed my eyes. He said, I want you to imagine the day you landed in this country. I want you to think about how you came out of the plane with your family. I want you to now imagine that nothing has happened, that you are back there. And I want you to see that there's no problem, no mountains, no... How did you feel on that day? And honestly, on that day, I felt I had all the faith in the world. Today that he was calling me, I didn't think I had any faith in the world. But that's when he called me. We need friends. We need funding. Without finances, without money, you will not go far. It's a limitation when we're, yeah, when we're kneecapped by funding. We need to have spiritual form. We need to be strong inside. That's what I mean by form. You can go watch the message. I'm just recapping. We need the fire of God. If you're on fire you can keep going. Even when you are tired, when you are fatigued, if you don't give in, the fire will bring you back. You just need to sit down somewhere and allow the fire of God to warm you up. You need force. A force, the power of God. We need to have faith and we need the favor of God. I'm not spending too much time on that, but let's go to the third one was assignment number four, uh, number three, sorry. We said develop a future mindset by picture framing God's desired future. So you have to have a future mindset if your assignment is going to be fulfilled. You cannot get to the future without having a picture of the future. You gotta have a picture of the future. Is your future picture, your picture of the future framed that allows you to keep a steady focus? How's you keep a steady focus? So develop it, a future mindset, by picture framing God's desired future. So that are the three uh, divine assignment messages we, we have preached, uh, we have shared here and talked about. And I just want you to keep that in mind. And this is a life-changing message. Jesus came as God's assignment to you and I, to the world as a whole. And he faced the assignment killers 
They came at him, but he overcame. Even at the cross, just before he went to the cross, at the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that he, he prayed to the point that his sweat was like drops of blood coming out of his body. Now let's look at some Christmas scripture lessons. So when I say Christmas scripture, I mean all of the scriptures that we read. I don't want us to just gloss over it and every Christmas time, all you think about is the baby in the manger and oh my goodness and all the Christmas cards. and You know, there is much more. There's much more. Do you want to hear how much more there is? I don't even know the end of it. Nobody can. Because the scripture is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what the Bible says. The scripture is eternal in content, in con context, and in culture. The scripture is deep. You can't get to the bottom. It's so high, you can't get over it. It's so wide. Because the scripture is God's own breathed word through men who are inspired to write. So when you read the scripture, you see stories. That's why some people criticize the Bible. They say it's just stories. Well, it, well, what is the most powerful thing that holds people's attention every weekend in our country and in our, on our continent and the world? You know what it is? Stories. Screenwriters are some of the most powerful people. Did you know that? They write a movie and people act the movie. The people that pretend to be coaches get made, paid more than they read coaches. People that pretend to be a policeman, they don't even know how to fire a gun. On TV, they pretend to be doctors. They are paid more than the real doctors. It is stories that move the world around. What captivates our attention is stories. So don't tell me that the Bible is full of mumble-jumble of stories. No, the stories there are stories of the dealings of God in the mind and the hearts of people from one generation to the other. So that when we observe God's walking with Enoch, when we observe God's walking with Noah, when we observe God's dealings with Elijah, when we observe God in Christ, we are able to desire that for ourselves. God is forming a picture. As you are listening to this message, a picture is forming. And may that picture be inscribed on our hearts. So let's look at some, uh, some lessons from all the scriptures. Because of our time, we will not read all, uh, all of the scriptures. We'll just read a couple. But let's go first of all with the fact that I will give you four solid lessons. The first one is that the assignment that God gives to every human being it is not easy, but it is possible. In our own human flesh, God's assignment is never easy. I just told you about a time that I wanted to give up. And somebody called me. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was not expecting a call. I didn't know how he would have known if God had not revealed it to him. And he said, close your eyes and imagine that you are just arriving in Canada uh, way back then. And then I want you to imagine that there are no problems. And then let the faith that you had rise up. And you know, I have used that trick till this day. When people threaten, when things happen, when there's no funds, when there's no, uh, yeah, and we're not sure how we're going to move forward, I imagine that there's no problem, honestly. And that's not, that's not, I, I accept that there are problems, but because I have refused to allow the problems to submerge me, I start seeing solutions. I start seeing solutions. This assignment is not easy, but it is possible. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ was about to be born. This is the savior of the world. I thought he would be born in a palace. I thought he would be born among the kings. He's a descendant of King David, quite all right. But the Bible tells us that when they got to Bethlehem, the Bible said there was no room in the inn. I know we've always said about it, when you really study it, in the Middle East, in those days, they actually were very hospitable till this very day. One of the most hospitable places on the planet is the Middle East. 
The villages actually, Bethlehem was a village. It was not a highway a city or town. And so Christ, uh, Mary and Joseph were received. The way we read it in the Bible, I'm not going to go into that controversy because I don't, we don't have time for that. But in all honesty, people think that it was just a very lonely, there was nobody there uh, because the Son of God was even born. No, there were people. He was part of the family of David. And he came that day and he was going to have a child. They already knew that this was a special one. But they had to travel. They had to, imagine traveling, you know, being pregnant and traveling to go and have a baby. It's not easy. Not only that, his life was threatened as a baby. The king Herod wanted to kill the baby because the wise men had come from the east to say, there is a star, a king that has been born. What? A king is born? Well, let's kill this king before he has time to take over my kingdom. So Jesus faced a lot of difficulty. Divine assignment is not always easy, but it is possible. Say that with me, it is possible. The second point I want to make is that we have to be faithful to the assignment regardless of difficulties. When God gives you an assignment, when God gives you a task, be faithful to the task. You know, a lot of people will look at me, they'll look at my wife, look at you. They think you don't have problems. They think you don't have difficulties. They think they are not that. If, if you should sit down with someone you ever imagined didn't have a problem and they start talking to you, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. There was once a rich man, you know, he had a lot of money and people said, well, this family, they are so rich, they are so wealthy and all that. But imagine this, that his son was on drugs and they would take him from one place to the other, from one cleansing house to the other, from one program to the other, just to get this kid off drugs. They couldn't trust anything. You, might, you have all this money. This is the one who's supposed to inherit the money, but he's doing drugs all over the place. If they're not getting a call from the police, they are picking up somewhere, you know, or he's in a hospital somewhere. They, are, they were so sad as a family because of this one child who was on drugs. Yet the whole house is so nice and immaculate. They live in a mansion. They have all kinds of cars. They are so unhappy because this kid, everything has to be locked up. If he gets into the house, he's their son. And, and he finds anything of value, he's off to sell it to get drugs. So he can take a whole sports car that's worth a lot of money and sell it for chicken change just to get a fix. There are difficulties in life. If you look at, there's no every human being you see has a problem. That's what I'm trying to say. So I don't know what your problems are. I don't know what your difficulties are. I don't know what pain you carry. But honestly speaking, while I'm not minimizing your pain, I'm saying that you are going to be useful to God. In fact, your pain will end up bringing gain one way or the other. Your, your, your assignment is to touch your generation before you leave this earth. There's a painter who paints with his mouth. He has no hands. He can't walk. He has to sit in his chair and he paints with his mouth. I don't remember the name of this guy. But his paintings are so amazing that you, you would never even think that it's somebody who did, doesn't have hands who painted it. Paints with his, puts the thing there and he paints. Can you imagine that? I saw a video once on, on Facebook, I think it was a woman who has no hands. Oh my goodness. I have no excuse. I have no excuse. I have a migraine and then, oh God, you've forgotten me. God hasn't forgotten me. It's just a migraine. Come on. She has no hands. She has to use her feet. To dress her child. Real story. Real life. Friends, we have to be faithful to the assignment regardless of difficulties. I look at this woman and say, wow. If we're strong on the inside, we'll be strong on the outside. The third point is that God, the third lesson is that God is more than sufficient to announce you from afar. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 to 2. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 to 2. We're going to read the scripture together. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. 
So let's go. I don't know if you guys can see it from there. Can you see the verses? Let's try and read it if you can see it. Let's go, everybody. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. I want to ask you, who announced him? Who announced him? The Lord announced him. God can announce your business. I, you need social media. You need everything. But do you know you can do everything possible to announce yourself, to advertise your business, to advertise your skills, to put that resume out, and somehow, somehow, nobody picks you. No business comes through the doors. But what if someone from afar says, I have seen the star of David's sanct. I am coming to win <laughs> I've seen the star of Felicia Hezekiah. I'm coming. To, I've seen the star of Joy Fountain. We are going there to worship. What if your time has come? Because remember, this happened when the time of Christ had come. Friends, when your time has come, no one will be able to block what God wants to do through you and around you and for those that are, you know, walking with him. They said, we saw it from afar. We saw, we saw, we saw. What did they see? I'm not an astrologer. I don't know. But God knows how to align the constellations to cause someone to recognize that something different, something unique has happened. You think as we walk around, do, do you know you are a spirit? We are tripartite. You are spirit, you are soul, you are body. And I'm telling you that your spirit has much more, more, more to give. The flesh it's really not much. It, what it does is, is a container for our spirit. That's why the Bible says we have, if we have treasure in earthen vessels. See, my friends, you need to re realize what we have on the inside. If you can build your spirit, what is happening on the outside will no longer be a limitation. The star was shining somewhere and all the stars in the constellation, they were able to see one. They say, ah, something has happened somewhere. May the Lord send divine messages to us through whatever means he chooses. But God can announce you. God can announce you. God will announce you. God will announce this ministry in its right season. We've been training people and preparing people. You know, I'm so excited that, you know, I can go from this church for three weeks to a month, and there are at least three to four or five people who can preach a sermon on a Sunday, and people will be blessed. They'll be blessed. And they're not copying the messages. They're not looking and saying, let me get... No, they, it's coming from within them because they have spent time in the word of God. <laughs> the last point, number four. Jesus came as one of us. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 19. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 19. I'm going to read it so that we can have some scripture reading for Christmas. Is that good? Follow me, please. And that's, I think it's up there. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, somebody say suddenly. I love the word suddenly. Sometimes when God is going to move, it'll be sudden. You think you can catch him moving? No. Be sudden. The day of Pentecost, it was sudden. Sudden. Suddenly. An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. This is why I say, when people say Christmas, you know some people just say Xmas. They just say Xmas. I say, no, don't say that, because 
X is not the same as Christ. See, X mass is a short form, but why are you having the short form? You wrote every other thing, not in short form. So if I want to write my wife, say, oh, my dearly beloved Felucia, I just wanted to tell you to make sure you get the Xmas food ready. Why don't I say, get the Christmas FD ready so she knows his food? Why don't I say, hey, dear Foli, dear Fol, dear Folu, shorten her name, and then say, uh, you know, I want you to get the FD ready for whatever, you know, like, I, you know, just shorten everything. Every other thing is complete. Is the Christmas that is incomplete. Isn't that funny? You know why? Because the word Christ, do you know what it means? How many of you know what Christ means? The anointed one. Every time you put the name Christ there, Satan doesn't like it. <laughs> because Christ, there is only one Christ. Only one in all of eternity. Only one. Only one. And he's the only one who defeated the, de the devil. So when you, when you are writing and you just put Xmas because you are in a hurry. You are so, in so much of a hurry that it was Christ that you removed. The anointed one. <laughs> oh my goodness. So let's not, you know, and I'm not criticizing those who want to write it. You can do whatever you want. But I'm just telling you, Christ is the anointed one. It's the anointed one. And I love to hear Christ. When you say Jesus Christ, Jesus, his actual name the Greeks change it to Jesus, Yeshua. Yeshua Christ. Yeshua, the anointed one. There are other Yeshuas, but this one, this one, this one, this one is the only one that heaven opened up and the dove came and then the, the glory of God fell upon him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well. This one who was born of the virgin, this one is different. This one walked on water. This one raised the dead. This one did this and did that. He cleansed the lepers. He opened the deaf the ears and he, you know, the mute could speak. He, he healed the sick. This one who came from heaven also went and there were witnesses who saw. This one rose from the dead. This one, this one made a claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This one, in his name, demons flee. They say, oh, we know you. Demons announced him before he even spoke. And he said to them, shut up. And they shut up. This one speaks to the storm and the storm becomes calm. This one saves people from sin. This one delivers people and turns their life. This one changes night to day. Day. This one was there when, the, when, the, when all of the universe was put together. This one is the anointed one, the Christ. And for this reason, we must not trivialize the name and just go around and just say, you know, you know we, are, we are Christians. You see, Christians, Christians. Christians means those who behave like Christ. Christians, Christ, Christians. These are those who behave like the anointed one because they are offspring of the anointed one. Jesus came as one of us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 19, we see the Bible says, suddenly, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, just like every one of us. We came just out like that. I don't care how tall you are here today, six foot four. I don't know if you are seven feet. I don't know if you are short. I don't know how you look. But listen to me, every one of us was once a little baby that we could have been held in one hand. He came just like you came so we can identify with him so that he who identified us with us can bring us to God. 
Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of, of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, see, who else could have gathered the armies of heaven? Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, if people don't like the Bible, my friend, if people are angry about the Bible, but this is the only book that gives us this kind of information. Wow. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, the angels returned to heaven. There's a place called heaven, my friends. And yet out of that place came someone just like you, came someone just like me, so that he can bring us back to God. The Bible says, they, ran, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. They hurried to the village so that nobody can say, oh, well, you know, he actually came and he was in New York. He came and he was in Winnipeg. Actually, the way it sounds is like he came and he was in Clandeboy. You know where that is? <laughs> you don't know? It's here in Manitoba. Is it? Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, there's a place called Clandeboy. How many people live there? I don't know. But it's a small, <laughs> yeah. So that you, you, will, you can identify with him. Can identify with him. The Bible says, there was the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about this child. Follow me carefully. And all who heard, friends, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary, somebody say Mary. Mary. What was she doing? She was thinking. Friends, every mother here thinks about their children in special ways. Do you sometimes look at your child? How many mothers here can be honest with me and say, you look at your child, you notice some distinct quality about your children. You say, mm, this one, ha, huh, this one. Mothers can tell long before the child, they can see the grace of God, the gift of God in their children. They look at that child, they say, this child has a future. This child is going to be such and such. They can tell way beyond. What anybody else can because they see. The Bible says Mary kept these things. She pondered them in heart. What are you pondering on, in your heart about your children today? I'm only saying he came like one of us. The circumstances here can actually point to what we have been through or what we are going through. The same kind of things that happen in our lives. The situations, some of it even extreme compared to our time today. But all of it is to point to the fact that he came as one of us. The Christmas scripture lessons. The assignment, though not easy, is possible. It wasn't easy for Joseph in his time when they say, well, how did she have a child in her? Well, the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, which Holy Spirit? Come on, you're lying, man. She's probably had a boyfriend somewhere. You don't even know about it. Look at you. And you're going to marry. He knew that there would be problems, but he was willing to go with the will of God. The will of God is not always easy, but if we stick to it, the blessing of the Lord will come in due season. Somebody has to stand up for the counsel of God. Somebody has to be willing to do what others are not willing to do. May the Lord work in our hearts and make us willing. Because when we are willing, what we are doing, God's work cannot be done by a human being. That's why it's tough for us. So he gives us what? Grace to do it. Then when we finish doing it, it becomes a seed. When I am gone, when I leave this world, what I have done is a seed. The people I have taught will grow up and become a terror to the kingdom of darkness. They will also do this and plant their seed and move on to the next generation. This is exactly how it is. It's what God wants to do. 
Let's be faithful to the assignment regardless of the difficulties. Let's ask God for wisdom to handle these difficulties. Difficulties will strengthen us. God is more than sufficient to announce you from afar. Just like the wise men, they just saw the star, they knew. There were other wise men, they didn't come. But these ones came. And when they arrived, the Bible said they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's interesting that Bible mentions gold first. They made sure that if there's any need for this child, it's provided already. Gold has always increased in value from the time it was discovered. Let this child have gold first. So that if there's a problem, Mary, Joseph, you guys. And what that means, it's not that everybody, I'm not saying everybody will have a million dollars of gold. What I mean is that God has already provided for you. I don't know what your status is. I don't know how much you make a year. But ahead, God has planned and provided. This is why when there's a problem, don't go, oh, what are we going to do? We don't have anybody. No, say, God, there's a problem here, Lord. You come and be a provider because he's the great what? Provider. He's our great protector. He has promised to be with us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. The gold there, the frankincense, the myrrh represents the beautiful things that God has prepared along, the, along our way. Will there be problems? Yes. Job chapter 14 verse 1 says, man is born unto what? Trouble. He's of a few days. We will face difficulties, but we are going to overcome every difficulty. Say with me, I will overcome every difficulty in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. See, friends, your declarations is very powerful. Very powerful. One of the things I found out in this nation when I first came is when I'm preaching, I say people say something. You see some people won't say it. So I asked somebody, I said, why do I say, oh, I don't feel like. I said, well, you are cheating yourself. You are destroying yourself. Because I'm here. I'm, you think I'm here to waste my time. I said, look, let me tell you something. The, the declaration of your mouth is one of your most, most powerful saviors. Do you know that when everything was dark and no, what did God do in Genesis 1? The Bible said, God said. Can you say with me, God said? God said. The difference between those who are going and those who are not is that those who are going have said it already. Make a declaration. Very powerful. We have to declare what we believe. Do you know preaching the gospel is a declaration of the counsel of God? Prophecy is a declaration of the will of God. Somebody has to say it. I'll finish with this. Do you know that to get to, to elect a mayor is one thing, but the mayor has no power until words are spoken over the mayor by the justice. The mayor has to stand there, the president, the prime minister. They swear an oath, an allegiance to the constitution of the nation. Do you know those words as they come out is so powerful? That's one of the worst crimes you can commit is to perjure yourself before the law. Words. The second most powerful thing after the words of our mouth is the written note. That's why God gave us this. What is written is so powerful. That's why when you enter a house to rent, you sign a contract. If you don't sign and you misbehave, the landlord is limited before the law because there's nothing, no, not, nothing signed. It's powerful. The words we speak and the words we write. If you want to see what 2020 looks like, write the, your write the things you want to see. Reasonable, attainable, write them. Put it in a drawer, close it. I'm just telling you, try it. You who are in the business here, you have maybe you made uh, X amount of dollars, just write. Put in a drawer, close it. Try what I'm telling you and see what happens. There's a huge difference. Do what your father in heaven does. He wrote, wrote, said men should write. And we're still, reading those, we're still reading those words till this day. See, I made this message. I prepared this message. I wrote it. It's powerful. Write. Speak. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening. 
Were you blessed by the message? Do you have any questions? Did you make a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord? Please let us know. You can contact us by sending us a message on our contact page at joyfountainchurch.com. Have a blessed day.